Welcome back to Following Noadon, a Stormlight podcast. This week is episode 24, and we are doing chapters 3, 4, and 5 of Words of Radiance. We have a Shallan chapter, one Kaladin chapter, and one Dalinar chapter. So we are very well balanced this this week. Elliot, do you have two words to describe these three chapters? I do. My two words for these chapters are spren politics. Spren politics. Cool. Uh, Paul, do you have two words for this episode? I do. I do. Well, actually, I don't. I only have one word. Okay. And it's actually one of my words for the last episode as well. And that word is shadows. Shadows. We are still in, still in shadows, according to Paul. Mm-hmm. Yes, and we have spread politics. Two full episodes with shadows. Let's let's discuss these. All right, Elliot, talk to me about spread politics. So I picked spread politics because these words work individually and also together to to help describe these these chapters. We learn a lot about spren. I have a lot of questions about spren. It seems like there's a lot more to spren than I originally thought there were. Then later on in the Kaladin and Dalinar chapters, we definitely get some some politics, some light eyes politics. But then we also learn that spren also have politics. So there's that spren politics. There is there is that. Uh, Paul, why are we still in shadows? So we're in shadows for several different reasons. Uh, we're in shadows partly because of these new shadowy spren that we're meeting. Um, we are also in shadows partly because a few different things. So, so I said the kind of shadowy spren, <clears throat> which we see kind of notated as lies spren, kind of shady. Um, also, we see some more of the like bad intentions and shady character of Sadius and his wife um it seems like there's a lot of of shady intentions going on there so I felt like shadows was a still a good encompassing word for a lot of the the themes we're seeing this week all right speaking of Sadius's wife we have two spell checks this week and we can start with Sadius's wife uh Elliot how would you like to say say her name this is going to be very interesting because I don't know if you're going to get all the letters correct even though you have it in front of you I the the way my brain wants to pronounce this one cannot be remotely close so I'm gonna I'm gonna try and make some logical jumps here I, I I don't have any hopes of even being close on this one, but Sadius's wife, her name is Yele. Yele? Correct. That is how they say it in the audiobook. You were, what? You are, not, are you serious? Yeah, I'm very yeah. serious. They pronounce it Yele. Wow. Oh, no. Wow. I know I'm going to get this one so wrong. I have to say, I'm going to be on such a bad streak of spelling these. I know I'm so off. And I haven't even begun. 
go for it. You can, so you I'm can do it. Impressed. I, at least I think I am because I don't know at all how this one's spelled. So I went very short. And okay. it helps a little bit thinking that Elliot didn't think it was going to be ELA. So I have E-I-L-E. Four letters. It's probably way off. Way off. But uh, I had let no me, other idea how let- to give you how my brain wants to pronounce this when i when i read it the first time Eli is how i like want to uh, say it but so it's yeah. like lay with like a e-i-a whatever at the end like that or so yeah at least you included an l but i think everything else is <laughs> that was wrong. The only, <laughs> only right letter it's... i knew this one was gonna be bad the both of the spell checks this week are just I saw, I heard him, and I was like, "All right, this is the end of my here goes my spell check career. This is ending my spell check career for sure." So here's how you spell ELA. It is a perfect palindrome. It is I A L A I, ELA. Complete lucky guess on okay. my my half. Okay. All right, yeah, I never would have gotten that. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm very impressed with Elliot though. That was that was very impressive. That uh, I'm I'm pretty shocked with Elliot right now. Perfect palindrome, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. And this other one's not going to be much much easier. The other one is the one I was more afraid of. All right, so this one <laughs> is there's there's very little context for this name, but the description we are given is it has a spy. And once this thing touches a spren, the spren doesn't act right. And this is in the Dalinar vision, right? Correct. This is in Dalinar's vision. He thinks he's in the pure lake. They're chasing a spren. And this thing has touched it, is what they say. Uh, Elliot, how would you like to say this name? I'm, I'm shooting in the dark again. I got pretty lucky last time, so who knows? I'm going to go with Sia'an'at. Sia'an'at. I can't even say it. Sia'an'at. <laughs> All right. Not quite as cool the last one. You, you, nailed, you, nailed, you nailed ELA, so this one has to be a, uh, a little <laughs> bit of a strike. Uh, yeah. Paul, how do they say it? If you, if you remember, I can help you. If you... Yes. I, I believe it was Ja'an'at. It is Ja'an'at okay. and Good luck, Paul, because there are silent letters here. Oh, no. See, my biggest question on this was, so I I assumed it was a hyphenated word, but my biggest question is, how do you make the ja sound at the beginning? My initial thought was just a J, but every time we've seen a J, it's a ya, like yasna and stuff, so it had to be different. So I went with, and already hearing Elliot's pronunciation, I know this is not going to be right, um... But I went initially with D J A hyphen A N A T. That's only, a really good guess, actually. You're only one letter off. So is it like an S at the beginning? It is an S. So here's the only reason why you might have known that is because Zeth, Zeth's name mm-hmm. gives it the 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 zing at the beginning. I guess you'd say so. It's Ja Anat. Is how you mm-hmm. is how you say it. It's how you spell it. 
I'm impressed you knew it was hyphenated right off the bat. That was that was pretty good. That was just going off past times where I got that very wrong. Um and finding out that the words were hyphenated. So that was that was learning by mistake is where we're at. <laughs> nice. Chapter three. With a Shalon chapter. Any any first impressions of this chapter? We are introduced to well, sort of. We're we're sort of introduced to one, if not two, uh, new new characters. Anyone want to pick this up? Yes. So by new characters, you mean our our, our cool little? I don't know if he's cool yet or not. He's definitely interesting. <laughs> our little our little sprint buddy with Shalon, Pattern. I Pattern. Believe. Pattern is his uh, name. Yes very very interesting and very kind of cryptic compared to like sill for example okay um kind of take away the naiveness and you add just straight unknowingness Mm -hmm. um with pattern you don't really know what's going on um but i'm super when as soon as i listened to this chapter i was so excited and really interested because the biggest thing i wondered was do our other notable characters have a sprint of their own or will they get a sprint of their own or anything like that? Uh, whenever we're kind of coupled with the whole Knights Radiant thing and seeing if they have it. This kind of plays into that a bit, which I'm super excited about. Makes me even more curious now and kind of leads into the thought that maybe Zeth has his own sprint. He's maybe gotta. his own skill. Yeah, he has to. For He's sure. gotta. No doubt in my mind at this point. Um, but yeah, so we meet Pattern, and uh, he's definitely a bizarre, bizarre kiddo. Um, I don't really know what to make of him, uh, but Shalon is starting to learn a lot about this kind of quickly, and it was super fascinating, and I'm super, super excited now that we know Shalon has her own spread. One of the uh, thing I kind of want to mention, I don't think this is jumping too far ahead, but something to think about and I want to know your thoughts. So we've seen that Shalon and Yasna have similarities and we're kind of getting into that. But I think it's also mentioned, I believe in this chapter that they have a, a strong similarity, but also a strong difference. And mm-hmm. I don't know if we know what that is or what that may be, or if that has anything to do with the spread here that they have. I really don't know, but yeah, th- this plays into my thought about each of our Knights Radiant-esque characters having their own sprint. So I'm super happy. Uh, Elliot, I'll let you chime in here in a second. But I just wanted to say that that's probably the best description of pattern I've ever heard from one, someone say. A bizarre kiddo. I <laughs> I really enjoyed that description because... Thank you. He is he is a very bizarre kiddo. I will I will agree with that. He is. Yeah. So I want to make a comparison for you guys. As we as we got to meet this new Spren pattern and his his strange ways. I think Shalon herself describes him as imbecilic. I couldn't help but think of comparing Shalon and Pattern to Elsa and Olaf. From <laughs> and how, how Shalon is is discovering her powers. She's figuring out what's going on. She almost accidentally creates this 
this spren that she she does with her drawing compare that to elsa who's discovering her powers accidentally creates this rather goofy little immature snowman yeah <laughs> pattern is now olaf in my in my mind all right that is like incredible that's pretty good Wait, all right yeah well, we can run with that that pattern is pattern is olaf pattern pattern is olaf just less and, women and, less musical olaf right although who knows Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe he'll he'll break out in a song later. Yeah, I hope so. But on a more on a more serious note, uh, I had some interesting thoughts on kind of how how Shalon interacts with with her spren here of how like when she's looking directly at him on the wall, he disappears initially, and how she can't like look directly at him if she wants to to keep seeing him. She's able to snap the memory of him and then draw him and then by drawing him he becomes real or or he becomes physical in the room and i thought back again to our old ardent couple that we talked about last episode a couple times how they were looking at the flame spren and they when they measured the flame spren that kind of locked in that one attribute on that spren did shallan just do something similar with with this spren that she by drawing him did she kind of bring him into the the physical realm maybe out of shadesmar and and into the physical realm i'm i'm not really sure but some interesting interactions there i've never wanted to spoil something more on this podcast than right now (laughs) i will be completely honest wow there is that's big uh, there is a very clear answer here but i can't i can't tell you Oh man! Intriguing. I really like how <laughs> I really like how Shadesmar works. That how Brandon Sanderson has has established it, but you have to figure out you have to figure it out on your on your own. So I can't tell you. Of course, I will say so. So y'all have been bringing up that older couple from the the interlude chapter, I believe, uh, a few times, and I guess I'm a little surprised because I think that was easily the most forgettable interlude chapter for me. Maybe because it wasn't super exciting or notable. It's kind of just them bickering almost and, mm-hmm. and uh, learning about the flame sprint. But yeah, I guess it is a little glimpse into these other realms and kind of the first notice of that that we have. Um, I don't know if it's jumping too far ahead, but uh, with Elliot's word of sprint politics... Um, I believe that kind of comes into play here, and I'm kind of curious to hear what what Elliot has to say about that because I also have some thoughts about that, and I'm really glad that you chose those as your as your words there. So, I, I do have thoughts on on spread politics and kind of the the bit that we learn. I think again from from Yasna in in this chapter. But before we before we do that, I think we need to talk a little bit about what like this spren is we get we get told that he's uh, a cryptic that these symbol heads that shallan has been interacting with are known as the the cryptics which i think is it said that that's a name that they give themselves and that their maybe their common name or their spread name would be lie spread and paul you mentioned this earlier i thought that was interesting because that's the exact opposite of what i thought they were going to be i thought they were going to be truth spread because of the the truth that Shalon has to share with them in order to enter Shadesmar, turns out they're the opposite. They're lie spread. 
So that, uh, that has me questioning some things that I maybe assumed before about Shalon and her interactions with these guys, but interesting there. I, I makes sense, I guess, why they're congregating around Shalon if they're Lysbren <laughs> and she's here telling this, this massive lie about her, her life. So I guess maybe that makes sense. But the, then we get into the politics. We learned that cryptics are kind of like the light eyes of Shadesmar. They're, they're kind of, they, they rule at least, I think it said at least one city uh, in, in Shadesmar. And then we also learned that they have some kind of running conflict with the honors. That was kind of what I was referencing with the, the Spren politics of my mind is really kind of getting opened at this point to Spren or way more than I thought. I thought Spren were, were just kind of these, you know, aspects of nature that are unique to this world and this Roshar of it's, you know, in this world, you, there's pain, but there's also pain Spren, which is just kind of a, a visualization of that phenomenon, or there's nature or life Spren or whatever else there is. Now we're learning they have cities, they have conflicts with each other, they have all kinds of stuff that I wasn't even thinking was going to be in the realm of possibility. So this is rather intriguing about how the just spread interactions with each other and then also with humans works. A lot of questions now. Yeah, I thought that was super interesting and it kind of got my mind racing. So I immediately thought back to when Selfrena sees Hoyd and says, I don't like yes. that guy. And uh, I think that has to be part of with the Spren politics as well. Um, so as we've learned more about Shades Mar, we know it's probably pretty expansive. You know, it's kind of the, you know, as there's the entire physical world, there's probably a very full, enormous cognitive world. And uh, I bet, you know, that we, we we're learning that they have their own conflicts and, you know, issues there as well so i bet hoyd has his own spren too and i would go so far to say that it's probably a you know one that's that's not very light maybe it's kind of a big antagonist maybe he's like i don't remember there's like the dust bringers which seem to be like the kind of ominous antagonist almost like characters and uh, I bet it's a sprint that maybe even Pattern wouldn't like. Maybe it's a a real distasteful sprint. Um, I so really I like that idea. I re I really like that idea about about Hoyd. I think that makes a lot of sense. We're learning that maybe Honor Sprint, which we know Sill is, have some problems with maybe some of the less honorable Spren out there. Is Hoyd tied into that somehow? Oh, I, I think maybe, yeah. Yeah, I think it definitely is. And I think whenever Shalon ends up in the Shattered Plains as well, I bet we'll see maybe how Syl reacts to Shalon. Maybe she'll have a similar yes. reaction. I don't like her because she does. maybe she does, isn't aware of the sprint, but kind of gets that feel, feeling, you know, and uh, has that also... I don't know if this is like, I don't know what to make of this entirely or if I should even be looking into this, but in the back of the Way of Kings, it has 
a note of shades more or like in the arcane kind of, yeah kind of well i was talking about like the map is that okay to oh yeah 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 that's fine yeah so it has like a map of shades more and there's nine places on there and one of which is the nexus of truth and my guess is that maybe that's where these Lysprin are from, or would Elliot guess would be Truthsprin? I mean, there's kind of different like areas, and there's nine different ones, which I thought was interesting also because aren't there ten orders of the Knights Radiant? There are. I wonder if that has something to do with the Herald who was left behind, I guess, right? Like, so there are like nine swords or i believe mm-hmm. and i believe uh-huh. there's like nine locations on this map in shades more i don't fully understand what they are but there are nine of them and i think that would correspond to the nine heralds that we've kind of learned about okay um and so yeah i think there's definitely got to be something with that They're like each of the nine places some may like each other some may not like it each other but i bet that this is maybe the spring from the nexus of truth and uh, i bet there's ones where still is from and i bet there's some big correlation there i don't fully understand yet but uh i thought that was super interesting even though i don't fully understand it i bet there has to be something significant there look at you with the detective work there paul that is all new information to me i hadn't even thought about that for sure I'll definitely keep that in mind as we learn more about pattern because that's probably my biggest, the biggest thing I'm focusing on right now is pattern and seeing what he does. Uh, Especially once we, you know, I wonder if pattern and and Syl can see each other because I feel like that would be a really interesting interaction because they both are really quirky in their own way. I wonder the same thing. Are we going to get, you know, (laughs) Like a sill versus pattern moment, are yeah. gonna, you know, like, yeah. like, like two dogs on a walk, you know, go in the opposite direction, like have to stop. <laughs> like, Who are you? Kind of, kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. I I would love to see that. And they speak. I don't know. I bet they have their own like language or something, and they start talking to each other in sprint talk, and then we're really confused and wonder what they talk about. We have to guess, but who knows? Either way, I'm super excited. I that's probably my biggest thing. I'm looking forward to. I'm hoping soon they're they're in the the shattered planes and we get to see something like that. Something I wanted to highlight for you guys uh, in this chapter is back when we met Syl, Syl knew her own name, didn't know why she knew her own name, (laughs) but she did have a name and she knew it. Pattern hasn't said a word yet, and Shalon named Pattern. So assuming that is his actual name and he doesn't have another one that we'll call him later, do you guys think there's any weird connection there that Shalon gave him a name and Syl already knew her name? It took Syl a little bit of time to remember her name. I guess after reading this chapter, my my thought was just that pattern is is at the very beginning of this this process of 
when Syl first started, she was just as far as we knew a, a windsprint, and she she knew who Kaladin was, and that was about it. And and then she's developed, and she's come a really long way since then. There, there's even still moments in these chapters where she's starting. You know, things are kind of still coming back to her as she goes. And so, I was just kind of assuming that Pattern starting from a little bit further back than than Syl is, where he doesn't even know how to talk yet, and and maybe given enough time, he'll. He'll get to that point and he would remember what his name was or, or not, but maybe I'm going down the wrong path with that. One thing I just thought of that I think might become something important. So we've seen with, we saw a lot of development with Kaladin and Silphrona and most of that was kind of still being like the, the positive note in Kaladin's story uh, where a lot of times he doesn't see anything positive going on um and from what we know about shalon she has like different struggles different trials and i think these spreads seem to be specific to each character or at least they're different for the different characters hopefully there will be more um but i think pattern will turn out to be kind of providing this different aspect specific to shalon where Kaladin kind of needed this positivity almost, a reinforcement in a way. And maybe Shalon needs, I can't put my finger on what specifically it would be, but maybe knowledge or creation since she's really possible like soul casting and stuff like that. I'm not entirely sure, but I think it's going to be something that will help kind of, character if that makes sense in kind of a way that Shalon helps Kaladin so helps Kaladin mm-hmm. yeah what what if now, now you're getting me wondering what if what if pattern becomes a negative influence on Shalon what if it's so different such so still is kind of that positive influence in, in Kaladin maybe maybe pattern is more of like a mischievous or or negative influence mm. on Shalon. That would be interesting. Could be, could be. That would, that would definitely be. Or or maybe he's just her singing snowman. Well, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yes, could be as well. <laughs> we also briefly, quite briefly, saw Yasna's spren. Mm. And so Yasna was about to open Shalon's door and she was cupping her other hand and uh does it does it tell us his name ivory okay i didn't want to spoil it if it didn't um yeah it did i uh ivory is standing in in yasna's hand and then quickly vanishes when he sees uh when he sees shallan so do you guys have any first impressions of of this guy yes so I don't remember for sure. Please correct me if I'm wrong, but from what we know, are there notable differences between Pattern and Ivory? Or I don't know if we know enough there. My impression was that they're similar. Like they seem like the similar type of sprint, but not like the same. Do you all remember on that? So um, Ivory is described as a, a dark, like a very dark skinned little person. Like, similar to what Silfrena looks like. And pattern is described mm-hmm. as a pattern. He has no he has no like actual human ish body that 
it's noticeable. Gotcha. I, I also drew parallels between Ivory's description and kind of like the shadow we saw in the prologue of kind of like this inky blackness. Yeah. So I, I was kind of leaning that, thinking that direction. Yeah, I definitely envisioned it as literally that, that same character yeah. from the prologue, just many in, in the palm of her hand. Um, so my thought on this is from what we know about the Knights Radiant, some of the different orders have things in common. Um, and we know Shalon and Yasna have, I guess, one aspect of their order, if we can go so far as to say that mm -hmm. right now, um, in common. And so I think these sprint are similar, but different. Like they have something in common, and that's what Shalon and Yasna have in common but each will do something different and that's kind of where they differ. So pattern is very different from ivory, but they kind of have this middle ground and it's the middle ground of Shalon and Yasna, but they are like different sprint um, and will ultimately do some different things, but uh, they're, they're probably pretty close to each other. Pretty similar. Sure. I don't know what the difference is yet. That's what I'm, curious to see yeah i think i think yasna mentions this in this chapter of she she says that they are of different orders but that they share this surge or whatever it is that this soul casting ability which i thought they were going to be this of the same order because they had this this shared soul casting ability and, and yasna's yasna's now saying that they clearly aren't so wondering what orders they are i have mm -hmm. to figure that out yeah, Yasna assumed the same thing that they were going to be in the same order, and that's why, uh, the the spren led Shalon to to Yasna, but uh, that's not the case. This is another thing that makes me excited. So, I, I was really really happy to find out that they're not the same because I was asked before if Zeth and Kaladin were both wind runners. And I would guess now, with this information, that Zeth and Kaladin have this surge binding and these lashings in common, but they each have things that are different. So I think they're going to be different orders, but both like kind of share that those lashings, I guess. And I think that's kind of how it is with Shalon and Yasna. They can both soul cast, but they have different things that we don't fully know yet, um, meaning they're in different orders, but they, they share that similar aspect. Any any closing thoughts on chapter three before we push on? That's all I had. I'm super excited to, to learn more about these spren, though. I think that was it for three. Yasna has seen Shalon with her with her safe hand uncovered. Just wanted to mention that. Oh, no. How scandalous! Scandalous! Oh no! Oh my! Oh my goodness. Alrighty. Now, chapter four. We have our first Dalinar chapter of the of Words of Radiance. And we jump right in to to a to a vision. We don't even get any setup. Dalinar's just in a vision. And any any thoughts on this vision before I talk a little bit? 
I felt like there was like some of the other visions that we've seen with Dalinar, just just not enough information here for us to to put together anything concrete, you know? There's a few a few little tidbits that we get here and there. We see a little more information about Radiance and the men around them that they're using. We see a Thunderclast, which is interesting. We we last saw those mentioned all the way back in the prologue of Way of Kings. Mm-hmm. So a little more information there, but just man, not enough to really like draw any any concrete thoughts out of this. At least that's where I kind of left. He assumes he's in the Pure Lake based on the water that he's running through, but he sees a. Huge... We've been there. We have been there. Ish, shout out to Ishik. Uh, <laughs> but there's a huge castle, and Dalinar assumes that it doesn't exist anymore, because if it did, it would be famous. So there's there's this huge black castle just in the middle of this huge lake. So, do you, any predictions? Any guesses on if this castle still exists or not? I'm going to say it doesn't because so this is still at the pure lake, right? So mm-hmm. what we the whole uh, imagery I get from Ishik's interlude is that this is like a really like no one lives there kind of thing, like a very rural area. So I would yeah. just say based off of that, that that this castle is not there anymore. I'm 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 thinking the same thing. I think Vani even mentions something about it when Dalinar comes out of the, the vision about how there's myths about giant structures in the Pure Lake or something like that. So that seems to maybe add some evidence to this existed a very long time ago. It doesn't now. Maybe it sunk beneath the, the Pure Lake or was crushed under class or who knows what, but probably not there would be my guess. I was going to say maybe the Thunder class that gets summoned uh just you know kills the yeah. whole kills the whole fortress right there wrecks the whole thing yeah yeah so kind of I'll, I'll come back to the vision a little bit but there's something i wanted to point out here with the with the vision i have something for you guys to look at in the discord so this picture that i've will put on screen for you guys is a picture of old Roshar. It's a, it's one of the ancient maps of old Roshar. And you'll notice that the area that includes the Pure Lake on this on this lake is called Selatales. And when Dalinar comes out of the vision, Navani tells him that he was he changed languages. At first he was speaking Salay. And then he changed to the Dawn Chant, back to what they've been trying to to decode with these visions. And Old Pier Lake is in Selatalis, where they speak an old form of Saleh. So, no matter who... And, and then, at the end of the vision, he changes back to the Dawn Chant of what he's talked before to talk to the Almighty. So... Dalinar can talk to anybody in these visions, no matter what language they are speaking. He speak he speaks Salay to them, and they understand him. That he can understand them, and then he ch- switches to the Dawn chant, which is what the Almighty is apparently speaking. 
and he can just switch back and forth and he doesn't even know he's doing it. Any, any thoughts? That's interesting. I hadn't thought about that, that he's, he's actually speaking these languages in the visions. He just hears it as words. He understands Alethi or whatever language he's speaking. So he, he hears it all in words that he understands what he's at is their languages. I hadn't thought about that. This older style map is in, it's in your version of the Wave Kings, isn't it, Elliot? Uh, I don't think so. It It's in mine, and I wanted to note it as well. So since I had just mentioned, so at the front of my book, it shows this map, um, the current map that we're looking at there. And on the back, it shows the corresponding, it's really fuzzy on this, I apologize, um, for shades more. And I noted, first thing I did since I just talked about it, is that there are 10 regions on here. And I would guess that that's going to correspond to the the Heralds and the Knights Radiant, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just got to. That would make sense. Say that's not a coincidence. But I'm really curious now, because I brought up the nine sections in Shadesmore, what the difference is. You know, so that's not really related to what we're talking about right now, but I just had to to put a pin in that uh, in that thought. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, so yeah, I just wanted to point out that Dalinar can speak multiple languages without him actually knowing them. Magic. No, no big deal, you know? <clears throat> Very casual. So Dalinar has surmised, or assumed that the visions are telling him the truth but the visions have told him that the almighty is dead so that brings up two questions of how is he seeing these visions if the almighty is dead second one is why is dalinar still talking back to him um he still he still has tries to have conversation he tells the almighty that i will reform the knight's radiant like he like he tells him to but he knows he's dead or at least that he can't hear him as he established in at the end of way of king so why is what is he doing i i think it's like us shouting advice to our favorite they 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 can't hear you but but we shouted anyway look out look out they're coming kind of thing right i i think dalinar knows full well that the almighty can't hear him but he can't help himself you know, ask questions kind of rhetorically or, or knowing he's not getting an answer. But that was kind of how I took it of he's just trying to process what's going on and he's asking questions knowing that he, hopefully realizing now he doesn't have that two-way conversation thought he had in the last book. But the, the other question you ask is the one of, of most interest to me is if the Almighty is dead, how is he sending messages to Dalinar? If are these all like tapes that were recorded before his death and they're just being like mailed to Dalinar one by one kind of thing? Or sent via your it, your local high storm. I, I sure, right? Whatever. Uh, or or is it more complicated than that? Or is 
does the death of a god mean something a little bit different than the death of a human? Is it, you know, the Almighty is dead, but does that maybe mean that not necessarily mean that he ceases to exist and more of he is dethroned or I don't know quite how to phrase it, but maybe it's it's not quite the you know banished to oblivion that maybe death might mean for a being of that sort. And he's still able to somehow be sending these messages to Dalinar. But Dalinar wonders about this question and I wonder about it a lot too. It would there there must be more to it than just these are like pre recorded and sent to him because we have seen with like the the prelude to the Stormlight Archive, the at least with the heralds kind of like it, it mentions that they die and come back. Yeah, so I would take it that that's at least a possibility. Um, that's a great and, point, actually. And we'll see what's going on there. So I'm under the impression that the god in this scenario is not dead, dead, like not just gone. Um, but maybe in another realm, maybe he's in the spiritual realm instead of the hey. cognitive. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but yeah, that, that's what I would, would think about that. After the vision, Navani and uh, Dalinar kind of talk back and forth. Navani leaves, and Dalinar passes out after the high storm. The high storm's already done. Dalinar passes out comes to some time later we don't we don't really know the time span it's pretty short it's still the same day that type of thing and there are words glyphs uh written on the wall any any thoughts on the glyphs written on the wall uh valuable information and dalinar thinks so too of we get a we get a we get a schedule because the glyphs on the wall say 62 days death follows and we know that something big is coming we've heard odium comes we've heard the everstorm is coming we've heard the last desolation is coming we don't know if all those are the same thing or if they're different things but something big is coming now we have a number to put on it 62 days and and maybe that's maybe we're drawing some incorrect conclusions like dalinar did before perhaps with some of this information but it seems pretty obvious that 62 days is referring to one of those big events, perhaps a cataclysmic event. And now we know what we're looking for. It's 62 days away. Any, thought, I, any thoughts on who wrote it? Yes. I I had to scratch my head at first about, you know, how did this work? They had guards standing outside the door. Calvin's pretty confused. How do they how do they get past my my men? How do they get past me to get in there right on the wall? But but then it hit me. This is probably obvious for for folks that have have read this a lot. It had to have been Dalinar that wrote that. I I bet he he sleepwalked, if you will, or kind of vision style was embodied by whoever's sending this message. And he, while he was sleeping, stood up, scratched that on the wall, and then went back to bed. And when he woke up, there it is. That's my guess. What about Zeth? possible if there's any really get it in there and undetected and and out zeth would be the one isn't 
Wouldn't he just kill him though? I mean, that's his job, right? To assassinate Dalinar. Wouldn't if he had gotten in there while Dalinar was sleeping, wouldn't he have just finished the job right there? I doubt it, Zeth. Well, with it potentially being Zeth, I don't think it is. But if it was, I mean, if that's what he was ordered to do at that time, I mean, that's what he would have done is gone in there and done that and left and maybe come back to kill him whenever he's supposed to. But um, we don't know that for sure. I actually didn't think about Dalinar just sleepwalking. It seems kind of the most logical. I didn't really think too much about what it was. I assumed it was some weird collision almost between the visions and reality where part of the vision or I guess a semblance of something important from the vision kind of appeared in fruition in Dalinar's real life magically <laughs> I, I didn't really have a good connection on how that happened but uh, uh, but I just kind of assumed it was tied to the whole these mystical visions you know um kind of haunting him or affecting him. Sure. Hey, another bit of information I, I take away from this, actually, this, this 62 days death follows. I think back to the epilogue of Way of Kings, where we saw the Herald Talonel Elin show up at the gates of Kolinar. And I, I wondered at the time where that fit in the the time scale that we're at was that happening concurrent to the events that are happening in the, at the shattered plains is this in the past is it in the future we didn't really we know as hoyd was there i wonder if what we saw there was actually in the future from where we were at there i wonder if that happens concurrent with this 62 days event because when talonel elan shows up he says the desolation is here or, or something like that. I'm not remembering exactly off the top of my heads, mm -hmm. but I wonder if that's the event of it's here. Like it's actually arrived here. So my guess now is that that was at the end of this 62 day time bomb that just started. Bold prediction. Any I do have one other bold prediction about this before we move on to the the Kaladin chapter. Sure. So this just kind of hit me while we were talking about the vision. So in this vision that Dalinar has, they're trying to catch a spren. And mm -hmm. he even says, like, how do you catch a spren? Like, it doesn't seem like something that's possible. Um, and it just kind of slipped into my mind because we were at the Pure Lake and the only other, only other time we've seen that is with the Ishik chapter. And Ishik was sent to find Hoyd. And so now I'm wondering, since I kind of have this notion that each of our notable characters have their own spren, I wonder if whatever this spren is in this story is the same spren that maybe Hoyd has. And maybe that's kind of the connection to the Pure Lake and finding Hoyd. That's kind of a reach. But, you know, there's probably lots of reaches that can be made with, with these books. So I'm just going to make that reach and say that this spread that was animating the Thunderclast, it seems like, is Hoyd's spread or close to it. Um, since that kind of seems to be a connection there. 
So that's a bold, that's a Hail Mary prediction, but I could definitely see it happening. And, and I, I kind of hope that's the case. I think that'd be kind of, kind of wild. So as you can tell, I'm totally in on this whole, each character has their own unique little spread. And uh, yeah, I'm super excited about that. So <laughs> I mean, while, you, while you're making predictions, might as well just, you know, throw one out there, see if you're, see if you're completely right. Exactly. If I am right about that, that's a pretty cool one to be right about, I think. So I like it. Yeah. Any more thoughts on chapter four? None here. All right. Chapter five. We have Kaladin who sits in on a meeting between Dalinar, Adolin, King Elokar, Navani, and Dalinar's general, I don't remember his name, is there as well. And Dalinar specifically tells him to guard on the inside of the door so that he can uh, he can attend the meeting. And I just wanted to highlight how how much of a how much trust Dalinar is giving him here. Like the people attending this meeting are some of the highest influencing people in all of Roshar. And Dalinar is just like, yeah, sit in, please. And I'd like to hear some of your thoughts. So that's pretty cool. It, Adolin notes that as well and and not with pleasure. Yeah. I I like the interaction between Adolin and Dalinar where Adolin's kind of like whispering under his breath of like, can we can we really trust him? Like, I don't know if he should be here. And Dalinar just like kind of talks over him in a normal voice so that Kaladin can hear. He's like, well, we have to trust some people, so go sit down, Adolin. And Kaladin's just like, oh yeah, I'm here. I thought Dalinar's comment too was good where he said, if there's anyone in this camp, I'm 100% sure is not working for Sad for Sadius. It's this one. It's that that it's guy. Like, yep. Yep. That's true. Any thoughts on this meeting of Dalinar's plan A and plan B to dethrone the other high princes of shards and uh, what's the other part of the plan? I don't remember. It's about like how they're allocating the gem hearts and stuff, right? And and kind of taking over all of that, if I remember correctly. So it basically seems like Dalinar's just throwing a wrench into the whole oh, I remember. current system they have and uh, everything. And so a lot of people aren't going to be super thrilled because it messes with how they do things. But uh... his his plan B that he talks about that I was trying to think of is he wants to reform the Knights Radiant and he tells that to the whole uh, to the whole room and literally everybody thinks he's insane which I think it's Adolin has a really good point on that actually understand the importance of what Dalinar is trying to do with reforming the Knights Radiant. We know the vision that Dalinar has for that. We know what the Knights Radiant were and could be. But everyone else who's been taught by the Vorin Church, if you will, they've been taught that the Knights Radiant betrayed mankind or or worse, were corrupt and ruled it as dictators. And so he makes a great point, Adolin does, of saying, Dad, if you come out and say 
I'm reforming the Knights Radiant. No one is going to think that's a good idea. Right. Everyone's going to think that's a terrible. They, they were terrible people. Why would you do that? So he he's faced with a rather difficult challenge here of in order to do this, he almost first has to clear the Knights Radiant's name first to, to get people to understand, no, no, I'm not trying to create that. I'm trying to create this group of honorable beings who defended and built up the world and were a force for great good in the world. He almost has to change the, the conception or the, that's not the word I'm looking for, perception. There we go. Change the perception and then institute the, the idea first, which both of those don't sound easy. Just uh, undo foreign education real quick. and like Thousands of years yep. of yeah, teaching. Good luck. Casual. Casual. Kaladin, I... Go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I wrote I wrote down the plan in, in quotes in my, my notes because I was trying to follow their logic. And I, I basically... I basically was following it as deprive the high princes of their shard blades get people angry so that they think about why they're really here and try not to get assassinated. That was basically the plan. That is the plan. Yeah. All right. Good plan. <laughs> right. Try not to get assassinated is kind of important. And that's why Kaladin, that's why Kaladin's there. And, and it's hilariously almost like the afterthought of the meeting. They're planning it out, and they're like, oh, yeah, and by the way, everyone's going to try and assassinate us, not just us, but our families and, you know, everyone. So, hey, Kaladin over there, watch out for that. That's your job now. During the meeting, Kaladin notices a dynamic to the room that everybody is kind of facing Dalinar to lead the meeting and not Elokar. Elokar is the king of... Alethkar and all of the high princes swear to him, including Dalinar. And even Elokar is treating Dalinar in this senior authority figure. Any thoughts here? I think this is kind of similar to Yasna and where not that you fake power, but power isn't always something that a title can give you a title does give you power like obviously even dalinar would you know i guess kneel before the king right um but just because he's the king does not make him the wisest of the group or the most knowledgeable and i think they understand who dalinar is and you know why he's doing what he's doing and things like that and i think that is what's giving him this power and why everyone has the respect for him um, and I think that's definitely why uh, everyone's looking to him in this time instead of Elokar. I I totally agree with that. And I think Dalinar has to be a little bit careful here because he he is stepping a bit beyond his authority, I think, in this. he's He's pretty much running the show now, and that's not necessarily his job. I mean, yes, he's High Prince of War, He's been appointed as the the one in charge of this whole endeavor, if you will. But if he really steps up and starts to act as the king, that's a little dangerous in my mind just because we're fine with it because we know Dalinar's intentions are good. We know that he's being honorable and trying to improve any, everyone there. But if this was anyone else, we would not be okay with this. If this was 
anyone else, not even like Sadius or someone we know is evil. This was anyone we didn't trust. We would probably immediately point this out as, whoa, hey, this is not okay. He's not the king. Why does he get to say this? And so by knowing Dalinar's motive, we're okay with this, but not knowing that we probably wouldn't be. So I, I hope Dalinar doesn't regret maybe overstepping his position a little bit here. It's even to the point that Teravangian, way off in Carbranth, knows who the real threat is. Yep. He did not send Zeth to kill Elokar, who is the king of Alethkar, like Gavilar was. He sends him to kill Dalinar Kolin. Yep. And, and maybe this is fine, and maybe this is a good thing, and maybe this will be the change that Alethkar needs. I mean, clearly Elokar is not going to do it. Elokar is not going to be willing to jump in and, and make wholesale change to their culture and their the, what they've been doing for the last six years or, or whatever it is, and beyond that, it sounds like as well. So maybe this will be the, the change that Alethkar needs. Maybe Dalinar is the the, the small stone that, that starts the avalanche here, but hopefully he's not overstepping his bounds or his abilities in doing so. He seems like the most respected and probably the most hated person in Alethgar right now because uh, he definitely is throwing a wrench into everyone's daily lives For uh, sure. with all the changes he's making. And uh, it's definitely not going to make him loved by uh, by the people, especially the other light eyes. <laughs> Let's look at... a. Uh... Look at Kaladin for a little bit in this in this chapter. After it is, after all, it is his chapter. Kaladin has this enormous chip on his shoulder from Light Eisen in the past, and it's already coming or coming into his relationship with Dalinar. That he ref, he doesn't want to call him Bright Lord. He will if Dalinar tells him to, but Kaladin views the phrase Bright Lord as an insult. That he would he would rather call him sir which is which would be like what you call your squad leader in a dark eyes army and if if he has to call him bright lord he's going to be like well that means you're going to betray me someday so i'd rather call you sir and that there's a nice there's a nice dynamic there that kaladin is certainly bringing baggage into this uh <laughs> this high prince bodyguard relationship that he has with dalinar <laughs> I, I, th I thought that was a cool little section for yeah their their relationship there of how, in Kaladin's mind, Sir is much more meaningful of a title for him to give Dalinar. Bright Lord is, but Dalinar doesn't see it that way. Dalinar's you know, um, I'm a Bright Lord. You need to be, address me as so. And Kaladin tries to explain, oh yeah, in in my mind, that's a terrible thing to be. So I'm going to call you Sir. Trust me, it means it means more. And that's kind of cool knowing Kaladin's backstory. Like we know why that's more meaningful for him, but that's a little disrespectful from right. Kaladin really to, to, to take that line in for in front of Dalinar and in his relationship there. So just, just like Dalinar needs to be careful about not overstepping his bounds. I, I think Kaladin needs to be a little careful too about not overstepping his place either. And in the same category, you can put Moash, so there's a small encounter yep. between Kaladin, Moash, 
and this other bodyguard guy who Kaladin walks up and there's there's a bright there's there's a light eyes bodyguard who starts like he instantly starts resenting them of oh how did you how did you get this position how did you hold a whole bridge by yourself he doesn't he doesn't believe him that he could do that and Moash instantly jumps in. It's like, well, you want us to show you? Like, he's trying to start a fight, and they're both bodyguards. And Kaladin says, dude, you're in the army now. You need to, <laughs> you need to, like, you know, hold back a little bit. And Moash says, oh, oops. I actually really loved that segment. M- Might have been my favorite in this chapter, just because Kaladin gives Moash actually a really good lesson there where he turns to Moash and tells him, hey, you know, hey, back down, man. And, and then later kind of explains, you don't have to back your enemies or your oppressors. You know, Moash is looking at this as a, as a light eyes, the person who's caused him all this pain in his life. And, and Kaladin's saying, you don't have to give in to him. A, a better way is to be better than him. Don't, don't bow to him. Don't, don't give in. Be better. Show them that you can be better than they are. That's a, that's a good life lesson right there. Yeah, show them that we'll do their job better than they will, and we deserve to be here. And Moash is like, oh, yep. yeah, you're right. I'll, I'll do that. Any closing thoughts on this uh, politics meeting chapter? Nothing major. I'm a... Uh really excited in the future like i said as i believe our our storylines will start to merge further um i feel like we've had like i said before in the previous episode also it feels like the kaladin chapters are becoming a little more world world building not not to the same extent as early shalon um but i feel like shalon's kind of getting all the the fresh new exciting stuff and uh I'm really hoping for a little more action in the future Kaladin chapters, but it, it was super great. I, I loved all of these. Like I could not, I could not stop listening. Um, with all the chapters we've we've gone through lately, in, in words of radiance. So I cannot wait to see where we can go from here. It, it's actually really clever, Brandon Sanderson's part in that we haven't seen really like more Shalon chapters than the other chapters we've seen it so you you can't really point to that to say that this is shallan's book but already we're only five chapters in and it's the shallan chapters that we're looking forward to like shallan's story is already the one that we're most gripped by and so that clearly shows you that we're we're embarking on shallan's you know book and story here so some some clever writing to have written it that way and that it's not just that that's the bulk of the story that's the that's the one that has us the most intrigued right now I have one other closing thought for this chapter, and that's a little tidbit we get from some of Kaladin's thoughts on the ideals of the the Knights Radiant. And he he drops a line which gives us some some definitive evidence that Kaladin is indeed a windrunner. Kaladin references him as a windrunner, and he he discusses he's thinking about the the oaths that he's given so far he he mentions how he's he knows he's said the first two still won't tell him the rest he's trying to get Syl to tell him the rest and Syl's like nope you got to figure those out kind of thing which i think is is funny but he references himself as a windrunner so 
I, I think there were some clues to that before maybe, but this seems pretty clear and very helpful for us, I think, to, to know that Calden is indeed a windrunner. Going back to your end of the Wave Kings predictions, Paul, do you think Zeth is a windrunner now that we have confirmed that Kaladin is a windrunner? I was thinking about this exactly like right right whenever Elliot was saying that. It's still hard to tell. I want to say no. I really want to say no. I mean, just the evidence we have for him being a Windrunner is the Surge Binding, um, which obviously he has in common with Kaladin. Um, but as far as these ideals of the Knights Radiant, that doesn't seem to be in line with Zeth's character and, and where he's going and and everything. So I want I still want to say no, that Zeth is not a Windrunner. But I don't know what he is. I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. Um, but I'm sticking with no. So you're going with they're not the, in the same order. That's that's what you're going for right now. Correct. Um, they obviously have Surge Binding in common. But I, I believe that Zeth is a different order than, than Kaladin. Elliot? I think I'm going to stick with my... I think they are both windrunners at this point just their their abilities seem too similar just with the the lashings and the imbuing with stormlight and, and all that kind of stuff seems to align but i i don't know i may start to be leaning a little more towards towards you paul just with we've now learned that different orders of the radiance share similar abilities like the discussion we got from yasna and and shalon so that would be some good evidence there i i totally agree with you on the oaths like the oaths that Kaladin has spoken so far don't seem to really fit with Zeth's motives. You know, I will protect those who cannot protect themselves. That doesn't seem to describe Zeth in, in any way. So I, I kind of want to to go in your direction and say they're different, but I don't know. I think I'm going to stick with my, I think they're both Windrunners. Their abilities just seem too, too similar to me. Gotcha. Sure. All right. Any closing thoughts on... Uh, episode 24 I think Kaladin has a lot on his plate he's got a lot to do Dalinar's given him a lot of tasks the assassin in white is on the way plus we know that Sadius and all the other high princes are going to be trying to take some people out as well so Kaladin's got a pretty mammoth task in front of him it'll be interesting to see how he handles it I think it's interesting that you say that because Shalon just got a lot removed off of her plate. If she, if this betrothal goes through that she just had with Adolin, almost all of her problems are solved. She's now beginning to be a radiant. Her family is saved. Like she can soul cast on her own. Like a lot of her problems were just solved. Something I just thought of. This is, I guess, my closing thought. So I mentioned before that off of Elliot's theory that Shalon may use her shard blade out of a feeling of necessity, you know, either being forced to use it to defend herself or to defend someone else. And we talked about that being maybe Yasna or Adolin that are in danger. And we know the assassin in white is coming, so maybe that's the, the looming threat that could cause her to summon her shard blade. So 
we'll see about that. That's, that's something I just thought of um, as a connection of, you know, when that could come into fruition. So I'm really excited to see a lot of the interactions. Once everyone's in the Shattered Plains, we've got the whole squad together. Um, I I can't even I can't even put my finger on what all is going to go down. So I'm hoping that happens. I have a feeling that I don't know something's going to happen, and it's not going to happen for a while. But um, ho hopefully, we start to see these characters come together soon. We wondered back in in the way of kings if we weren't going to in the future get an epic showdown between kaladin and zeth you know when those two storylines collide now i'm sure we're going to get down at some point but now i'm starting to wonder will it be zeth and kaladin or will it be zeth and adolin will it be zeth and shallan like there's more possibilities here now this is this is intriguing will it be shallan and kaladin no, i'm just kidding ruling champion yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, Adolin's like the dueling champion, right? He could totally right. be Zeth as best as he can, but Zeth is just too good. So maybe Shallan has to come in and he fights both of them. Yeah, we'll see. maybe. We'll see. I'm excited. I'm super excited. So the possibilities seem kind of endless at the moment. I agree. Alrighty, let's let's read on and reconvene next week. Thanks for joining me, uh, Elliot and Paul. Of course. Until we meet again.